Great, I think we're live. So hello and welcome everybody. My name is Rick Adams from practicalcsm.com. And, and for me, this is a very special occasion. Uh, this is the first, the very first in uh, my series of live podcasts, i.e. broadcasted literally live in front of an invited audience. Uh, and I'll now be doing this uh, on a once per month basis. And up until now, I've been recording my podcast offline, as it were, and then editing them and publishing them maybe a week or so after I've actually had the conversation, but not anymore. <laughs> so the reason I'm doing this is that what I'm hoping for is a bit of audience interaction and participation that enables more of a two-way conversation between myself and my guests and all of you who are out there watching and listening. That's the ambition, and I, I guess we'll just have to see how it works out as we move forward. So uh, before I introduce my guest, let me just explain. We're calling the whole series coffee bar conversations with rick adams and the idea is that each month i have a different guest and a different customer success related topic which i discuss with that guest in an informal setting and we do have some questions prepared and obviously both the guest and i know where we want to go within the conversation but that's just for our guidance and the actual route we take the destination we arrive at might well differ from that which we've planned so uh, just to show you if i can before we start i just want to show you if i share my screen um, this page here on my website. So hopefully you can see that. So this is, uh, if you just go to practicalcsm.com and choose the free live webinars uh, menu option, you'll find Coffee Bar Conversations Live with Rick Adams. And then what you see here, excuse me, looking over on my other screen, there we go. Uh, what you see here is all, all of the guests. Uh, so we had Marek originally, uh, Prithvi, of course, now, uh, Dario, uh, John, and so on coming up, and the ability to uh, register for those. So you can access that information again, practicalcsm.com, free live webinars, you can see that menu option there, and then you can go to uh, choose the Coffee Bar Conversations, and you'll be able to access that. So I just wanted to quickly uh, share that with you before we get started today. Please do, uh, you know, go and have a look and register, and better still, actually, uh, register for the newsletter, and then we'll keep you posted, of course, about uh, uh, all upcoming events, and uh, not, not just the Coffee Bar Conversations, but everything. Okay, uh, so the format for today's event and for each each monthly event in this series is very simple. I'm going to introduce my guest in a moment and we'll start our conversation on our chosen topic. At the end, we will invite questions from our viewers and listeners. And you are welcome to submit those questions actually at any time you like. Put them in the chat window. Uh, feel free to submit a question whilst you think about it or wait until the QA session at the end and then submit it just as you prefer. Also, you will see there's a poll asking you a little bit about your role within customer success management. If you've not already done so, if you feel like it, please just choose the option that relates to you. And I will end that poll shortly and we'll share the results. Just, just you know, purely unscientific and it's just of interest to see who is, who is uh, attending. Um, and now I think it's time to introduce my guest for February. And I'm really excited to have a great guest for my very first live podcast. And in fact, my guest should have been Chitra Madhwachayula, Director of Customer Success for Couchbase. And she and I were going to be talking about building consulting service offering offerings within customer success orgs. And unfortunately, Chitra got called away to an essential meeting at short notice. And that is a shame because that was going to be a great discussion that I was very much looking forward to. Now, hopefully we'll be able to reschedule our call with Chitra and have that same conversation another time. But meantime, I reached out to one of my newer friends that I've made in the profession in the last month or so to see if he'd be prepared to step in at the last minute. And fortunately, he very kindly said yes. And so we're actually very privileged, I think, to grab some time live today out of the schedule of someone who I have no doubt whatever is super, super busy right now. My new guest today is Prithvi Dasgupta, who is the CEO and founder of Smart Carrot, which, if you're not yet aware, is one of the very latest customer success software platforms to hit the market. And it has made a lot of rapid progress in this market in a very short time. Prior to founding Smart Carrot uh, just last year, Prithri was one of the minds behind a leading financial services software product, which he and his team sold in 2019 for over $250 million. So Smart Carrot is Prithri's second business venture and no doubt 
his ambitions are even higher for Smart Carrot than his already excellent track record. So, hi, Prithvi. I realize you must be a very busy person, what with the recent launch and the initial success of Smart Carrot all going on around you. So, thank you very, very much indeed for taking the time to join us here today, especially at such short notice. No, thank you for the kind words, Rick. Uh, always a pleasure talking to you. Uh, you know, I'm happy to be here and uh, look forward to the conversation. Likewise, very much so. So our topic for conversation today is, I think, a very important one and perhaps also a very apt topic to be discussing with the CEO of a software platform provider such as yourself, Prithvi, because sure. our topic is the role of data in customer success management. Mm -hmm. but before we get started, would you be kind enough, please, just to give us a brief understanding of who you are and perhaps just outline your journey to get to where you are today as CEO of Smart Carrot? Sure, absolutely. You know, uh, last 20 odd years, I have, you know, I actually started my career in uh, uh, sales, uh, moved on to marketing a little bit, then into product management, back into sales, uh, business development, uh, then, you know, sort of. I went on to manage a large business unit for my prior organization, uh, as you mentioned, and we were doing, uh, you know, the health tech uh, business unit is what I mentioned uh, and handled over the last six, seven years. And it's around 2018 timeframe that we exited out of that business. And, you know, in 2019, uh, started this journey with uh, Smart Carrot. So it's been a mix of, uh, you know, multiple roles, Rick. Uh, I've dabbled in uh, different aspects of running a business and then eventually now get to run my own. Uh, it's different cup, cup of tea altogether, uh, but yeah, enjoying it. And I think uh, a large part of my belief and, and hence the attraction towards customer success and intelligence driven customer success uh, is the success I've had myself uh, in being able to grow book of businesses and retaining customers and you know, uh, keeping them happy and satisfied. And, and I believe, you know, it's something which is very fundamental to the way businesses are run. Uh, I believe, uh, as you would imagine in a few conversations with you earlier also, that customer success needs more parity with sales and other functions going ahead. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, that's what's driving me uh, with Smart Carrot today. Great. Okay. Thanks for that. And now we can get started uh, proper, I think, for... Uh, for our topic, the role of data in customer success management. But just before we do that, actually, let me just quickly end the poll and uh, that will just uh, display it for everybody. So uh, quite interesting, actually. We, we don't have any juniors or intermediates with us. We've got, mostly we've got people with five or more years of experience in the room. So that's really interesting, helpful for us to know, I think also in terms of the conversation that we're gonna be having, um, in, including Roughly like a third who would describe themselves as senior CSMs, roughly a sixth who would describe themselves as team leaders, roughly a sixth head of CS, and roughly a third then the remainder saying other, something I haven't thought of, so um, whatever that might be. So thank you for that. That's just of interest. Uh, and as I said, please do talk to us in the chat window uh, so I can see um, uh, Mr. Uh, MD al Islam is here. Good evening to you as well. And uh, if you want to put your comments in there, we will be picking them up later on. But for now, we will crack on with our conversation. So uh, so let's get started talking about the role of data in customer success management. And perhaps uh, the most obvious place to start is to talk about the rise of data within business in general. So why has data become so significant and important and it's everywhere? What's driving that? What's enabling it? Um, you know, what, what's all this thing about business data, data-driven research and analysis, data-driven decision-making? Yeah, you know, and, and why is this happening now and over the last sort of, say, past 10 to 15 years, would you say? Yeah, it's a good good uh, question to start off the conversation, I think, Rick. And uh, quite a few things come to mind. Uh, the first one is uh, uh, data-driven businesses have actually been more successful than, uh, you know, non-data-driven businesses over time. So that just, and people start looking, hey, these guys are doing well, why? Their best practices are oriented around data, so yeah, let's follow, and that obviously is a significant uh, aspect of driving this. Uh, a, a huge part of this also is whatever we do and touch in operations or you know business ops, to be more specific, uh, generates a lot of data uh, across you know different aspects of doing business, whether it is acquiring a customer, whether it's you know servicing the customer, whether it's the life cycle of the customer, or as in customer success, the value of the customer uh, and what you showcase, a lot of it is generating a whole lot of data, right? And, and more data leads to uh, 
connecting the data to more actions. And once that starts working in an optimized environment, uh, you sort of taste blood and say, hey, I need more of this. So then you now automate more and you know you generate even more data in that process. So it's a, you know, a vicious cycle. Uh, but more than anything, I think that first point, uh, people have actually been successful. Uh, they have had more profitability being data-driven. Uh, they have been more successful in meeting their business objectives, uh, which is why uh, you know this last decade of evolution into uh, big data and so much of uh, data-driven uh, discussions we have been having and seeing. So, so would you say that if if your business is you know is is data-driven, let's put it that way, then what was what we're actually saying is is that decision making is based upon known facts, and obviously you still got to interpret those facts. Yeah. But 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 based nevertheless on known facts rather than assumptions. Is that really what what we're talking about here? Uh, yes and no. I think the fundamental uh, you know jump into a data driven ecosystem is because of uh, your belief that you know it is the fact. Uh, however, as we know, you know data can also be modified and interpreted uh, differently. Oh, yeah. So uh, and data is really universal. So it's it you know it used to be a competitive advantage for an organization to be data driven. Maybe ten years back, today everyone is able to access that same set of data. Right. So yeah. what so do we think is more of a competitive differentiator? Really. But you're quite right in terms of the technology. It's now just available as tools for any business of of any size, even a small business. Whereas you know perhaps fifteen years ago you would need to be big enough to you know p purchase some fairly chunky yes. uh, you know d d data backends right. from the likes of oracle or ibm or or, right. or, or, or or similar and and have a lot of technical expertise to be driving that and one of the particular issues that was being overcome at the same time this is this is what i'm talking about the rise of big data if anyone's interested here is what we're talking about here is at the same time as like the ability to actually store and analyze big data is the recognition that at the time all our data was in different formats yeah. and there was nothing that could actually look at it all in one go um so um i would i would say that that is something you know also that, that has given rise to this ability is the fact that the technology now allows for it it allows us to capture data from all areas and all aspects of our business including of course the internet of things uh, and and then to assemble that into a, you know a single huge database of, of of data or even you know disparate databases you know, connected together and make sense of it all yeah. and it's it's the make it so the the point about data is not the data the point about data is is the ability to use it to make good decisions and and that's that's not as easy as it sounds either so so Prithvi, what about in customer success management? What's the impact of this rise of the digital world and everything being now digital and being stored in it, as data? How is this impacting customer success and how is it helping customer success? Sure, yeah. and you know, it's not very honestly different than you know any other aspect of the business. Uh, it, it has equal amount of importance in you know, any other function within the organization. Uh, and so, since this conversation is around customer success, yes, absolutely. You see, the the differentiation or the competitive advantage one wants to achieve by becoming more customer centric uh, starts off by understanding the customer even more or as much as you can. All that means is you are trying to now get and store and analyze more and more information and data about the customer uh, at at a very foundational level. Then decide on you know what makes sense to you and your business and depending on which direction you are uh, skewing and then uh, drive appropriately your business processes within the organization uh, triggered by that data and the underlying intelligence uh, now within customer success a uh, lot of moving parts so you know the variety of data is uh, very high uh, and and so is the velocity of data right so the quantum of data increasing day on day uh, in, in a particular customer success function will be very, very high. Uh, the bigger challenges with the variety because you have financial data, you have sentiment data, you have customer data, you have you know, value related data, you have st stakeholder related data, you have touch point related data and so on and so forth. You know, all your customer interactions, contractual needs and stuff like that. 
Now, to a customer success team, uh, at times it becomes a challenge actually, whether you know too much of data is good or too much of data is bad. So you have to take that optimal path, what is right, depending on you know where you are in your organization. So the impact, Rick, in short, is very high, provided you have a clear line of sight on you know what you want to do with that data and how you want to uh, approach sieving through this large ocean of data, if you will. Okay, and I know you talk about something that you describe as the intelligence journey. So, what do you what do you mean by that expression, the intelligence journey? And just sorry, apologies. Just before you answer that question, I see there's someone just popped into chat saying that the video is not clear. Can I suggest if if you're having problems with the video? It's probably your end. It's all stable this end. I haven't had any other problems from noted from other people. So my suggestion just just to um, come out and maybe refresh your browser and come back in and see if that if that helps you. And yes, we will indeed be uh, sending out the recording to everybody. Uh, and by the way, uh, Prithvi actually is joining us from Texas, which you may have heard has had quite a lot of severe weather recently. So if there are any little sort of glitches and problems, yeah, our apologies in advance, but you know, we're doing our best. So just, just to say that. So apologies to interrupting you there, uh, Prithvi, but please no. do talk to us about the intelligence journey, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. I think, look, uh, uh, as we started off this conversation, the, the I personally believe the data revolution is actually behind us now because yeah. you know, everybody has access to that data. And like You're you there. directly You're pointed right. Uh, the technology advancements and the affordability of you know technology around data uh, has made it sort of universal so that access to data is no longer a competitive advantage okay what you do with it though uh, is very much so and that's what i think uh, distinguishes uh, in our context of talk discussing this in the context of customer success a good customer success to an average customer success to a you know world class best of breed customer success team right. is how well and how appropriately do they utilize that data. So right. if you were to think about our data as the foundational layer, uh, you need the right insights and the right intelligence as a layer significantly above that, uh, which really becomes the backbone of your you know, customer success operations. And that is the customer intelligence journey or the data intelligence data to the intelligence journey uh, you know, I was mentioning to you earlier. Now, this makes total sense to me. And the way I always used to describe this, because I, I, I used to do a lot of, sort of slightly more technical training to sales specialists around and, and solution architects around how to develop business solutions based upon business outcome requirements. And one of the things I often used to say was, you know, we, we started off in the information age in fact the data age and we moved from data to information so data is just like the bits and bytes stored information yeah. is the bits and bytes formatted yeah okay so you can read it all right but actually we've moved past the information age and we're now into the wisdom age right. and and the idea of wisdom is it, it takes information and makes use of it in the context of what you're trying to achieve as a business yeah. and that actually is the difficult bit so we've we, what we've done so far, of course, I mean, as it's a journey, right? And the, the world of humanity is on that journey. And the world of humanity, as always, solves the, the easy the easy problems first, which is yeah, how to how to get all the data together and store it and join it up. We've done that one. Yeah. How to how how to then format it in one format so we can look at it. Well, we've got there. But now what we need to do is what, how do we make best use of that through through insight, insightful thinking about that data. And this, of course, is where platforms such as Smart Carrot come in, I would say. Yes, uh, Rick. And uh, there are one, one more dimension to this, you know, uh, which I think is helpful to discuss because the moment the word intelligence comes in, uh, a lot of marketing dollars has gone into uh, the word artificial intelligence over the past. Yeah. And, and yeah. there's an immediate correlation. So that is one aspect of intelligence. I just wanted to make it clear that that's one aspect. Yeah, and it's, and it's a bit of a cover-all expression because not everything that might be loosely described as artificial intelligence is what somebody who was you know, an academic in artificial intelligence would consider to be anything like artificial intelligence. Great. And you could anyway argue that artificial intelligence is not intelligence anyway. 
So, um, you know, and I guess we could move into philosophy and from there into religion and then we're back, we're back at square one, banging rocks together. But, but uh, I, I, would, I would totally agree with you. So artificial intelligence is, is, is one route and, and, a, and a very valuable one, yes. but, but, but it's, not, it's not the only yeah. route into this. So um, how, you know, how does this data enable CSMs to, to, to work better? What does it enable them to do? What can uh, they do with data? Yeah, it's fundamental in nature. I mean, that is, you know, the fuel. So again, I think the data is one part of it. So I I, I think in my head, Rick, you know, it's more the intelligence and the insights, like you mentioned, uh, yeah. which are the true enablers for the uh, CSMs and the CS community, and not necessarily, uh, you know, this ocean of data, which they have access to. Yeah. Uh, you know, so the variety is so much and the volume is so much. On an average, if you're handling, you know, 100, Odd customers or 50, anywhere between 50 to yeah. customers, five, six stakeholders per account. Uh, it's a mind boggling amount of just touch point data. And yes. now you correlate it with financial data, the product usage data matrix. So it's, it's, it's not possible for, I think, a CSM to sieve through always. If it were only one account, you'd be in complete control and you'd know everything across all of these data points. At scale, it's not possible. So. Whilst the data is the enabler, I think right. true, true driver for the CSM is what insights you provide them with uh, and the right you know, type of data at the right time, and then connect that with uh, you know, a lot of application of that data and insights into what actual uh, actions they can take, uh, really. Part of it can be automated, part of it still has to be manual, uh, but that balancing and optimizing between you know the level of insights you are able to provide leading into the interaction uh, or the action and then the feedback loop back into the data so that you can optimize it is really what uh, you know is should be driving uh, most best of breed uh, customer success uh, teams okay i love that i love that word insights i think i think that's a great word to use here if i was to say predictive analytics to you with that kind of makes sense as to where, what I'm thinking? It is one aspect of it, uh, Rick. So, uh, you know, the insight and the intelligence you uh, create, one part of it can be predictive, that you're saying mm -hmm. that, hey, this is what we think or we are forecasting as a likely scenario to happen and you better watch yeah. out. You There is an opportunity for you. Uh, so that's forecasting and that's the predictive aspect. Even if you look at retrospective, right? Did you know this happened in your account? You know, did you know a key stakeholder? Yeah. One of the most common things which we see is key stakeholders leaving. Uh, you are not aware of it until it's the last moment, and then yeah. the account goes yeah. into spiral. Uh, so, did you know? How do you know across the sea of data which is lying in front of you? So, this is not predictive in nature, but it still has significant value. But what you say is true. It is a balance of you know retrospective insight it is a balance of what's happening and knowing stuff and it's also an aspect of predicting what is likely to happen uh yeah. which where the truth will lie where, where i see it so I, I agree with what you said but where i see it is that um, there's a um, there's a journey here where the the machine is helping the human more and more whereas uh, let, let me if i may let me give the example of the of the automobile the motor car yeah. Okay. So if you looked at a car that was built in the 50s or the 60s, um, it's going to have a, a speedo and it's going to have a fuel gauge and an oil gauge and temperature. And that's about it in terms of like analytics. Okay. That's your lot. All right. Well, and you can listen to the sound of the engine, by the way, and make all sorts of additional noises there because you're a subject matter expert in your car and you know it shouldn't be sounding like that. So there's that side of it. But in terms of what it's telling you, you know, it, it's actually it's all historical data because what it's doing is it, it's making it's it's making a little uh, you know check every now and then, and then it's telling you what the last check said, mm -hmm. even if that is only just a moment ago. Yeah. Such as a speedometer. Okay, arguably it's historical. Yeah. So, for example, like the, the fuel gauge. So, last time I went and checked the fuel gauge, the fuel the the the, the fuel was two thirds full. So that's what it's displaying. And then next time I'll check it, I'll update that fuel gauge. So, so we've got we've got that going on. Now, 
if we move then to sort of you know 80s 90s and you know the volkswagen golf gti and all of that sort of thing you, know, you started to have like onboard computers trip computers and things and, and and now that is actually helping you because you could set in a like a well i've got to go from here to here and uh, um and, and it, it can start then giving you much more detailed information about well this is how long you've got how many hours of driving or how many miles or kilometers of driving you've got until you need to refuel which you could never do before it could just tell you two-thirds full but it, it couldn't tell you what how that's you know how useful that is to you where you're going and if you look now at a tesla or you know what any you know modern car that's got the the latest gadgets on it well of course they're fitted to gps and satellite and and they can not only tell you how far to go but they can say well you know you've got three choices here mr adams or yeah mr desgood so you can you can take route x in which case i recommend you stop at this refueling station which is the one before the last one just to make sure or if you go route y then i would recommend making a stop at this one and actually that one is a better price yeah, <laughs> you pick up, uh, and you know, the, the, the analogy is parallel analogy to customer successes. And, and we are discussing this with a lot of our customers and prospects yeah. is the aspect of augmented intelligence, right? Because you're saying this is the human in your car example as well. I'm providing yeah. you with options and with the yes. who decide, right? At the end, we, the human still decides, yeah. but 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 the human, the human decides in all three of those cars. Correct. It's just that in the modern car, they're given more help. Correct. It's still always the human that decides. However, even that, of course, Prithvi, as you and I know, if we then move to automated customer success, yeah. means that we can now say we are confident that this, that the data that's coming in and the way in which it's analyzed is now good enough to say, I no longer need a human to sum check it and make the decision. I'm going to pass even the final decision making on and I'm going to allow automated customer success to take over in those situations and push the email directly to the customer that says, you know, we, we need this from you or, or, or whatever you know, the, the relevant thing is. So I see that actually as being you know, the, the next, even then, the next step. Across, which, and the concept here, guys, is that it frees our most expensive resource, what's that, our staff, to do other things, even more clever things that, that, the, that the technology still can't do. Then that and that yeah. that's so the game the like, that we're playing. If I may, yeah, sorry to interrupt you. Uh, no, no, balancing act, if I may, uh, is is uh, so you have to look at what are repetitive tasks uh, in customer success. You know, right. or, or tasks yeah. which have less value. So sending out an email may not be the best, you know, utilization of time if you have to send out hundreds and thousands of them. Right, as an example. So there are similar tasks which are repetitive in nature. Uh, see, the, the aspect of customer success, which we you know, sort of miss a lot of times, is your main job is to show value to the customer. You Absolutely. have to you know, go Absolutely. back, and it's a tough, tough job and a tough ask, and you need all the empowerment and you need all the help. Yes. And you don't need distraction from you know, administrative or mundane tasks. Now, those aspects of it, 100% should be automated so that you, like you said, if you free up time yeah. uh, to do the more value adding work, which is really interacting with your customer, understanding their pain points and showcasing value through your product. Or building, building, building the, the trust relationship. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, good. So um, having talked a little bit about the, um, in, in the intelligence journey then, um, let's talk about the maturity of the customer success team because i think one of the points that you've you've mentioned is that you feel that it to an extent it's not just data and and the tool and the the cleverness of the tool it's yeah. also the maturity and the experience of the customer success team and their ability to handle this information so so what what's the interaction between you know, the maturity of the team and the maturity of the tool yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, and and it's a you know very important aspect of uh, mm. what we see today in the customer success ecosystem, okay. uh, because as we are all aware, uh, there are different you know functions and different skill sets which are sort of morphing into customer success. So you have a lot of you know skills and resources coming in from support, from sales, from pre-sales, from business analysis, from product management. 
So everyone coming with their own perspective. And like you are attempting with practical CSM, and I love what you're doing, trying to sort of create that common layer of standardized learning around customer success. Right. Similarly, there is a standardized layer of data sets also, which uh, is a bare minimum requirement. Obviously, you need to have renewal data. But do you need to slice dice renewal data 100 you know, million ways? Uh, right. Probably not at the outset. So I would recommend you start you know, simple with the basic set. Uh, and then depending on the specialist, maybe yeah. who can actually you know interpret and use that information maybe yeah, yeah. So now the maturity is a very important aspect because uh, if you have say all you know significant analytical resources and coming from a data background and into customer success which is a lot of mm -hmm. and and it's not going to happen because of that uh, okay. you can you know give them a whole set of data and say okay now have fun with this you know i know you'll be successful because you guys are analytical you can you know correlate different data sets to each other and take the right decisions that's not reality uh, reality is you are you know throwing in teams right from leadership onwards uh, into a very tough situation and also throwing in a lot of data behind it and then saying now make a sense of all of this and just get us to you know uh, significantly high retention numbers so and, and there's, there's a number of things around that i think as well like for example yeah, the, the general rule in, in data is rubbish in equals rubbish out. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the fact that you, when you enter the data world and say, I want to be data driven, uh, you expect uh, you know value, but uh, you can morph data into different ways. So it will be garbage in garbage out. So which is why I have personally stopped talking about you know data within my organization. We talk mostly around insights and intelligence. Insight. What are you right. doing with that data? Uh, okay. If it is, you know, we need to show value to our customers as well. Uh, how do you track that, right? So there will be different data points. There will be different insights and intelligence just around this basic tenet. And that tenet needs to get measured and driven. So similarly, connecting it back to your question of, you know, the maturity of CS teams, uh, no team will approach it in the same way. And I think that's the wrong approach. Just trying to retrofit, you know, what worked elsewhere or what you have what your vendor is trying to tell you, this is my data model, work only with this. I don't think that's the right way. You have to figure out, depending on your team you know, composition uh, and structure and maturity, what is the right level of complexity of data and insight you are providing your team, giving them the best chance to be successful in doing what is a fairly tough ask uh, right. in your organization. Thank you. And I'd like to pick up on a couple of things, if I may, there Absolutely. that I think are very interesting. So I think yeah. the first thing I want to say is I see, I see a customer success platform as being departmentally similar in nature to something like an executive decision-making tool like SAP or Oracle. And similarly, if you, go, if you go and look in the SAP archives, you will find SAP implementations that cost $10 million to implement but, but returned $100 million within a few years. And you'll also find SAP implementations that cost $100 million to implement and returned only $10 million. <laughs> okay, so um, I'm not making that up. <laughs> so, so the point here is, 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 is you've got you've to pick the right tool for the job. And it may well have been that SAP, which is an incredibly uh, detailed uh, tool, may have been like a sledgehammer to crack a nut perhaps for for an organization it may just have been the wrong tool uh, for them or, or the wrong tool at the wrong time and i think this is the important thing so the concept here i believe is when it, when it comes to the maturity of the customer success team uh, yeah, aside aside from our ability to understand and use the tool which is one thing i also want to say this is that in the first few years we are learning in customer success what customer success looks like and is in our organization and what best how best to serve our customers you cannot automate what you don't already know and have defined as a process because the computer can't change its mind you know that's our job so we've got to tell it what to do we can't tell it what to do if we if we ourselves don't know what to do and that takes maturity so the first thing we need to do before we get systems and processes all nailed down in a very expensive, you know, customer success platform and start 
and start like trying to feed this and, and like bowing to this big you know software system that's the wrong way around we don't want the software system to lead us you know we've got to lead it we've got to tell it what you know what we need out of it and we need to set it up so that we get that out of it any any thoughts on what i'm I don't yeah, expect you well. you're right only thing to add there rick is uh, you, you can utilize the system to also get to your optimal you know process yeah uh, you need to measure like you said you have to start somewhere uh, and yes. then start measuring your own team and your own process there is also data there and who's capturing oh, yeah. the data and who's analyzing that data and saying hey your process is working or is it not working and here you can optimize it over time and then keep measuring and keep optimizing and things change right. what you set as a process today uh, like the pandemic, for instance, would have completely changed a lot of you know customer success operations overnight. Uh, so, are you flexible enough to implement a new process now and learn uh, captured data? Right. Are, are we ready for this? Yeah, are we ready for this? You know, both in terms of training of the users and their understanding and their their ability to apply apply it in the real world. And I think it's far better to master, you know three insights in in your language than it is to try to give our csm 25 insights and yes. expect them to do something useful out of it yes. okay so so bit by bit turn 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 another feature on next month don't don't try and switch everything on at once and start with the data that you've got before so if if you are now in a situation and maybe there are some out there who are in the situation where they you know they they've, they've grown to the stage where up until now they have not yet invested in a dedicated customer success platform that doesn't mean they don't have any data far from it of course they've got data in their crm tool data in their hr tools data in their finance data from, from the product team data from the sales team you know etc 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 and of course no doubt the yeah you know, the CSMs are, are, have got Excel spreadsheets up the yin yang if they haven't got <laughs> if anything like me uh, and and that all needs to come together it's going to take time and effort but you can't and again you know from a productivity perspective I would suggest rather than drop everything and spend the next three months wading through every aspect of that data pick the handful of things that are going to be the low hanging fruit in terms of what's going to really make the difference if you know, what are the five key insights that if we knew them yeah. that would help us yeah and then do those and yeah. get them right and then pick two more and add yeah. them yeah. thoughts on that yeah absolutely i think uh, you know you you said it the only other uh, dimension to this i'll provide is uh, in in terms of managing data and insights and intelligence technology will always be there i don't think that is the problem because uh, you know whether it's you know a 10 data sets or whether it's a thousand data sets or it's a million data set the technology is there yeah the, but you've got to you've got to set it up you've got to pay for it you've got to purchase the software you've got to implement the software you've got to train people you've got to set it up you've got to get the different systems talking to each other so every every increase in one more data set actually is is a cost it, you know, whether you define it in time or money or whatever Yes, but more more than that, Rick, I think that is still a cost organizations uh, would be fine handling because it's not much, honestly, today's date and world. But the issue is with every new data set, uh, you are increasing the challenge quotient uh, of your team. And now uh, what I recommend is, you know, we because the technology is there, the platform can support as complex data sets and whatever you want to do. But whether your team can or not is the question we need to ask ourselves and then you know, time it well and optimize it well over time. So you can get from simple to complex fairly easy. Getting from complex to simple is uh, always more, much more difficult. Mm, yeah, I, I guess so. And I would also say that, you know, I, I have come across real life situations where effectively what's happened is, is they've implemented far too complex a system. And what, yeah. the CSMs are now spending like the vast majority of their times inputting data into the system instead of talking to the talking to the customer and doing their job yeah. uh, and, it, and it, it's effectively it's placed like considerable overhead on the csm yeah. that is far more yeah. than the value that they're getting out of the tool exactly and that i guess is where i'm coming from exactly absolutely Absolutely. Okay. All right. So where does customer success data come from? How is it collected? How is it stored? How is it analyzed? Tell me, tell me the practical facts here. 
Yeah, I think, uh, you know, most of it is common knowledge. If you ask me, Rick, uh, you mentioned yeah. all the systems there. Now, the, the nuance which we are seeing is, you know, whilst you say financial data can come from the financial system, the financial data can come from multiple different systems also, including the financial system. So you, within the financial system, you may have, you know, invoice data separate, contract data separate, uh, some aspects of financials being tracked in the CRM itself. And we have seen all of these flavors uh, in our you know, uh, experience over the last couple of years. Uh, similar with operational data, you know, similar with uh, key contact or stakeholder data, who, who matters, you, you know, you might want uh, your emails to be tracked. You want how many times have I spoken to this gentleman? Do I have my voice recordings available? So there are a whole lot of, there is no dearth of, uh, you know, data initiation like we discussed in the beginning of the session that anything and everything we touch today creates data and probably potentially relevant data to serve our customers. Now, uh, so the standard you know, support systems, financial systems, CRM systems, sentiment systems, experience systems are all sources of potential data for customer success and even more. Uh, again, I think technology has evolved where uh, getting access to that data and integrating that data into a common a data warehouse or a pool is no longer a big deal. You know, it, 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 it can get done fairly easily. Uh, the challenge is in what, you know, again, I go back to what we were talking about earlier, that what do you do now? You have this whole set of data warehouse created. Uh, now, how do you glean that insight and that intelligence out of it? Uh, so that's where I think the next competitive differentiation is likely to be uh, in the customer success space, uh, again, for vendors like ourselves, absolutely. Even for organizations as they, you know, uh, drive their CS processes, what do you do? Can you keep it simple? We have seen history in business has taught us that the best uh, businesses are run the most, uh, in the most simple manner. Uh, okay. yeah. Most, uh, if you complicate it, it's very difficult to execute. So uh, you can't scale. So good products are simple in nature. Yeah. Good businesses are simple in nature. So how you manage data be you know keep it simple get to the right intelligence do the right actions uh, and that's you know sort of the structure get the data all the sources are there that's not different uh, at, at all you know everyone will have access to the same potentially type of data right okay cool just to let you know we've just got a, a little bit of glitching on you there uh, but uh, i think i think you're back now so that's so that's fine and we we got we i think we got the gist of what you were saying so so that's cool if it happens again what i might ask you to do is turn your video off so that we sure have the bandwidth for the audio. But at the moment, we're back to it being absolutely okay. fine. So okay, so um, lead, leads me to think about um, the, the concept of um, ownership of the data and access to the data. So in an ideal world, and and you've said yourself, and I, I, I forgive me, I've used data again. And you've already said that you prefer to think about this as insights, and and, I, and, I, and that's cool. And I, I totally get where you're coming from on that. So I don't mind you asking it from the perspective either of data or sure. of insight. But sure. what I'm trying to say is, you know, who who gets access to the system? Who gets to see this stuff and use it? And and who should it be shared with, uh, both inside and outside of the company? Yeah. Again, there is no you know one uh, size fits all there, Rick. I think. Uh, it completely and wholly solely depends on your type of business, how you have structured your internal team. So, for example, you know a lot of customer success teams have specialized, let's say, onboarding resources. They have specialized, say, you know, ongoing customer technical resources, and so on and so forth. So, by virtue of doing that, you have now created obvious, you know, channels of what relevant data to channelize to whom, and what not to send. Uh, and then there is the other side of the story wherein you have an organization wherein the CSM really front ends all of this together and sort of orchestrates that for the different roles across the rest of the organization, in which case they need access to this entire gamut of data, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, and, and the same goes for the customer. And I think you and I discussed once uh, earlier, why would the customer and to what extent would the customer share data and what does yeah. it mean for them? Uh, and I think, what my experience has been at Smart Carrot and prior as well, that customers are very keen to share, provided they see the value coming back to them. Uh, and, if, and they trust you with it, right? So they can they trust, trust you in the first place. Those are hygiene. That is hygiene. So that is not compromisable at all. 
but yeah. after the hygiene is met and they give you data if it is data so that you can run marketing campaigns and your outreach for your goals uh, yeah that's not going to work but if it helps them you come back to them and say hey with this data we are optimizing your process so that your business metric is improved in this way and this is what it means for you then absolutely i don't see a challenge and i have never faced a challenge of customers sharing data if you take that latter route that's a really powerful statement because to me what that said is that this is again as things stand not all customer success organizations not all companies yeah. are doing this right yes. so if you want to be ahead of the curve if you want to have a usp a unique selling point if you want to be able to say like why come to us instead of our competitors this is part of that juicy this is what we do yeah. that our competitors don't do is we don't just make assumptions based upon um you know historically what we've done with other companies we go and actually use your data yeah. <laughs> and, and, and what we build for you is based upon insights Absolutely. around your real data that yeah. actually is in your organization not what we think might be in your organization or not what the average is in your um industry it's actually what 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 it what is Right. And 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 is that not what partnering is all about? And is that not what we're trying to achieve? Is that not what the salesperson is like going around promising to the customers? You know, we're not a supplier; we're your partner. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, but you know, uh, like again, uh, we all know uh, a lot of companies talk about it, and it's a tough thing to do. A few of them are able to actually achieve that partnership, and and a lot of it is also to do with intent. So, you know, if you approach it. Again, the technology is there. The data is there. In in this case, even the insights may be there. Uh, but you're saying, hey, this is a playbook in Smart Carrot, and this task asks me to ask my customer about and do a success planning exercise with them. Yeah. So the technology yeah. is there. It will, you know, guide you. It will give you a nudge saying, hey, your success planning session is due with your customer. That's fine. But what do you do in that success planning session? Session, right? That that yeah. is intent. So you you can't say I'll I'll just do it so that I tick mark a task. Off of in my right. No, I agree with you. I think that is very important. Uh, a couple of points just to finish off on. Um, uh, what is the difference between business intelligence and customer intelligence? Yeah, so the, there's a lot of ways to address this. I think, firstly, uh, Rick, it's a philosophical difference. The moment you say business intelligence is, um, it has been rather. Uh, mostly used for internal benefits and internal requirements how is my business doing you know how if i am doing a sentiment analysis i'm changing this around how are how is my sales impacted mm. you know if if my nps goes to a certain uh, score what is my correlate correlation with my shareholder value those are all you know drivers we have seen in the last decade or so business intelligence it's inward facing customer intelligence is just flips it around you're saying now the customer is in the center uh, all intelligence nuggets are around the customer. It's not around your business, and it's a big, big change because how you structure your data, even you know how you structure your reporting and your dashboards are very, very different in a customer intelligence context, uh, and how you structure your teams, right? Right. Uh, so that's that journey we are seeing. That from business intelligence has its value. We all do it. We have to do it for running our own businesses. But when you talk of customer intelligence, it is all of these data and intelligence and nuggets for customer value. Well, you see, I think that's a really important point because let me ask you this then: you know, how how should our customer success platform be arranged? Should it be aligned or oriented around the axis of customer in the center, or around the axis of our own business in the center? Yeah. So the practical answer, Rick, there is it has to address both the needs. Right, and you mentioned it earlier that there are different, you know, personas. And when we look at our own platform, there are different personas who interact with it. There is the, you know, executive level interactions. There is a head of CS interaction. There is a CSM interaction. Different roles have different needs, which is why uh, a customer success tool is also not an easy, uh, you know, platform to build because of the diversity of data requirements and the diversity of insights required by different people. So the CFO or the CEO would expect business intelligence along with customer intelligence out of a platform. Uh, 
the customer success manager largely requires customer intelligence because that's what drives you know their goals and KPIs. Because that's what the customer needs, and the, the CSM is there to you know, to guide the customer. Yeah, so it's a balancing act. I think uh, you know yeah. the best you know structuring is just to do a proper. So in, in effect, we need both views. You need. And we need. We need to be able to take the same data and 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 spin yes. everything around yes and and have it have it to be oriented towards business intelligence when we need to discuss how we are doing yeah. and oriented towards customer intelligence when we're discussing and thinking about how they are doing uh, which is more what the day-to-day -day duties of the csm should be around exactly. and I'm, I'm going to ask you maybe a contentious question here and maybe i'm being a bit unfair but do you think that the average customer success platform as is out there currently does that job uh, no i think uh, again like most things evolving uh, we have had a great last 10 years uh, with you know early adopters of tools and platforms and you know organizations like gainsight etc done phenomenally well and done a great job of evangelizing the concept of customer success i think uh, the next generation of tools uh, hopefully smart carrot included will do better justice to you know what do you now take it to the next level of which is the customer orientation right yes absolutely yeah okay all right good so i think that's a great a great point to to end it on where we're talking a little bit about you know the future and and the next generation coming in and the fact that we need both of these orientations rather than focusing perhaps too much on ourselves which i believe perhaps is the case as well i would i would suggest in the tools that we've that we've the more traditional tools and that we're seeing you know we're seeing vendors obviously react to that now and are coming out with with these new ideas i think are really cool i love the idea by the way of sharing the same data with the customer and the same views as much as is practical possible and you know correct to do so i i love this again because it comes back to this business partnering but i want to throw things open uh, uh for, for questions just for the last uh, few minutes we've got about seven i think minutes before before the end of the session so so um does anyone have any questions that they would like to ask Prithvi um, around the topic of our conversation, which is the role of data in customer success management, or indeed ask him anything else? He 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 does he does do a, a general um, agony aunt column. So if you have any personal problems you wish to air on, <laughs> yeah, feel free to ask those as well. But it would be good if we had any um, questions uh, relating particularly to data in customer success. Uh, if if you've got any of those, that would be that would be cool. And whilst you're thinking about that, please do type them in the chat window. Uh, I do. I, I, a couple came in earlier. Private private messages coming in earlier uh, from Kareem. What is meant by the term digital business? What is the difference between a digital business and any other business? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, you know, it, it can mean uh, quite a few things. Uh, mm -hmm. I think. Most commonly, what it means is a business where a large part of addressing the need of the customer they sell to is handled digitally. So, you know, uh, a, a large part of the service they provide is, is digital in nature. So very little interaction with humans uh, in this experience of interacting with that organization. So that's largely a, you know, very basic uh, definition of a digital business. However, now there are nuances to this. You may also have a business who has a very you know human touch approach to it, but but a large part of their internal organization is run digitally. Right. Because they have achieved a high level of digital transformation. So some organizations also call themselves a digital business there. Uh, so you could have a little bit of both. Uh, my personal preference is uh, businesses where the services are provided digitally, are sold digitally, are more likely to you know earn that definition of being called a digital business but it's a sliding scale really isn't it there isn't like a yes. cutoff point where you can say right that one that's a digital business that one that's not a digital business um and and that could be done in terms of a, a, across the board we're raising that level bit by bit within different right. uh, functions and organizations or it could be we're actually digitalizing functions <laughs> but not those ones yet um, and they're still on a more manual yeah. um, 
you know, documented by handwriting sort of way. But effectively, it's the, it's the way in which the, the, the data is collected, the way in which the data is stored, the way in which the data is analyzed, and then the way in which decisions are made. I would say would cover that, and if we, if we break it down, would that make sense? Yes, I think so, yeah. Okay, uh, another question. You mentioned earlier, so this is from Leslie, you mentioned earlier that the amount of data that can be coped with might depend upon the maturity or experience of the team. So how much is too much and how do you know? <laughs> yeah, Leslie, there's a, you know, that's, that really is the million dollar question. Yeah. Uh, you know, how, how do you know? So you only know like most things uh, after you attempt it and you optimize it over time. Uh, and, you know, there are different ways you can get to knowing it. Uh, my recommendation always uh, has been for most things to start off uh, in bite-sized bite pieces and small. Right. Do what is bare minimum, the lowest common multiple. Uh, is, if that's working for you, that's great. If it is not and you find ways you can optimize more by adding on more data components and you feel the team is you know, mature enough to handle it now, so add on that extra level of complexity with the additional data sets and so on and so forth over time, you can make it you know, more and more complex. So that there is no knowing how to swim till the time you jump, I think, you know, you, you'll have okay. to start So that's like e evolution, not revolution. Yes. Do it bit by bit and ask for feedback. Yes. Get feedback. Is this okay? Is it working? Is this making your life easier or harder? Are yes. we getting benefits from it? Are we getting value from it? Shall we try a little bit more? Yeah. And harder, here's, here's the 375 function new thing. <laughs> and we see this a lot. You know, we have seen this a lot and, you know, we have gone back and, you know, explained uh, explain to our customers as well. For example, you know, product usage data. Uh, you can get, you know, millions of data points just by, uh, depending on how complex your system is. Is all are all those data points required? Probably not. Now, if you have a set of, you know, golden feature sets or Start there, you know, do, do 10 data sets around usage and see if that correlates with your results and objectives. Uh, if yes, good enough. If not, either change them around or add more to it, but do it incrementally. Uh, because if you throw suddenly a whole ton of usage data, uh, the reports will come, but you may not you know, necessarily get the best benefit of that. Well, and also, you know, the, the rule of troubleshooting is make one change at a time. Uh, and the reason for that is because if you make multiple changes at the time you don't you don't know which one of those changes actually made the difference and that's the same thing with a new system as well when you implement a new system you, you know, may, maybe you've put 50 new functions in and you've seen an improvement well did it come from all 50 or did it come from one of them or did it come from five of them which five you'll never know it's going to be far harder than if you increment them Im implement them incrementally yeah. one by one and then you can you know test e each one maybe not each one but you know at least you know not not all 50 in one go so okay i think we'll leave it there um this has been i, I think a, a really good conversation we, again, it's a little bit maybe a little bit dry a little bit heavy but i think it's a really important one for for cs leaders particularly but you know, but but anyone i think in customer success certainly who is responsible for decision making you know to get to grips with and as, as a as a as a, a razor sharp mind in this and somebody who's been involved in you know, data systems, uh, you know, for as long as you've been, I think your insight is really, really valuable. So uh, I do want to say, and especially because it was short notice, thank you very, very much, Prithvi, for, you know, for sharing your thoughts with us over the last hour. Thank you so much. No, my pleasure, Rick. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Yeah, yeah no, well, my pleasure too. Thank you. And uh, just, just to let everyone know, again, this is part of a series. And I'm just, again, just going to quickly share my screen to remind you this is coffee bar conversations live uh, and uh, as it says there this is a series of intimate discussions about the customer success profession featuring the world's leading cs thought leaders we have a different thought leader each month excuse me looking around to my right whilst i play about with my second screen you can see here our guests coming up so we had my own coo kicked us off in january there's prithvi in february next month in march We've got Dario Cavallaro, who is the uh, EMEA manager, security customer success specialists for Cisco. And of course, we're talking about customer success in the security industry. So if that appeals, please do register. But there's plenty more coming up as well. 
uh, as you can see here. To get to that page, very straightforward, just come up, go to practicalcsn.com and go to free live webinars, coffee bar conversations. So um, on that note, I think that is it. We are done. So again, thank you uh, very much, um, um, Prithvi. And uh, thank you also to everybody who um, stayed on to the end and, and listened all the way through. Really good to have you here and look forward to seeing you again in another episode. Yeah, thank you. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.